May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's children said, Amen. If I said these words to you, I wonder if you'd recognize who sang them. On the road again. I'm sure you're shouting from in front of your computer screens or your phones or your laptops or whatever you're watching on this morning that it was Willie Nelson sings that. And I'm sure others sang it as well, but not like Willie Nelson. Consider this as well if you think about music. Is that the storyline of opera and country music often have the same kind of feel to it. There's a story of love and loss, pain and suffering, of shattered dreams, courageous perseverance. Consider this line from Conway Twitty, I couldn't see you leaving, but I can see you're gone. Now consider this line from the opera La Wally, the subject of the opera is the frustrated love of a young Swiss girl named Wally. At the end of Act One, her old father, a wealthy landowner, threatens her with banishment from the house if she refuses to marry his overseer. Wally chooses to leave, singing sadly in her aria, Wally is going very far away and you will never see her again. Well, I have to tell you though, this sermon isn't about country music or about opera. It's about what both of them are about, life. Life in the raw, life as we experience it. And a good image for that is Willie Nelson's classic line, On the Road Again. Listen to some of the lyrics. On the road again, just can't wait to get on the road again. Going places where I've never been. I can't wait to get on the road again. Willie is romanticizing being on the road again. But that's sometimes not a happy experience for us. For most of us, it can be a symbol of lostness, loneliness, frustration, no direction, little to no hope. I don't know a better image to describe the experience of Cleopas and his companion on the road about whom we read in our scripture this morning than Willie Nelson's refrain, On the Road Again. Let's take a look at this story a little bit more. Cleopas and his companion were two followers of Jesus. They had counted on this man. With others, they had believed that he was the one, the Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah who would redeem Israel There had been some convincing evidence, the the power of his preaching, his healing ministry in so many different ways. The miracles he performed, his mastery of nature, calming storms. He refused to be controlled by the political or religious power of his day. The prophetic witness of his presence with the poor and oppressed. He even based his first sermon on the passage from the prophet Isaiah. Proclaiming a day of jubilee. A day when God would bring relief to the people. Release to the captives, healing for the sick, liberation of the oppressed. The Jews believed and looked forward excitedly to that day. 
And Jesus witnessed to it in everything he said and did. So there was evidence that this man, the Son of Man, the Messiah, it was him. And then, in a couple of days, it happened. The terror and the unbelievable nightmare of darkness engulfed him. And then, suddenly shattering their spirits, devastating their lives, Christ was crucified. They took him out to a place of degradation and shame and strung him up like he was a common criminal. Is it any wonder that Cleopas and other followers huddled together on that Saturday? Scared for their lives, too stunned even for grief, they were uncertain. All of what they believed would happen was in ruins. This man, their man, their hope was dead. There were rumors whispered about that this, his tomb was empty, that the women had come back after sunrise with this crazy story about an angel speaking to them. The stone was rolled away, and the grave clothes laying limp in the cave, but rumors, as we know, are rumors. Here in their depressed state, such stories seem like just crazy talk, idle tales, So Cleopas and Simon decided, you know what? There's nothing left but to go. They were downcast. They were feeling defeated. They were doubtful that they were following and had followed the right person. Wanting to put space and distance between what had happened and starting new life. And the way they had committed their lives in previous days, they wanted to just get away to be on the road again. That's the scene we come to in hearing this message this morning from Luke. Dejected and in despair, they are leaving Jerusalem on the road again, headed for Emmaus. It's not that they were excited to be on the road again by any stretch. They really didn't know what else to do. There's a couple things we need to point out here. First, Emmaus can literally be every person's town. The actual Emmaus village is west of Jerusalem on the main road to the sea. But I've been to other Emmaus's too. For Emmaus is every person's town. It could have been any place just as long as it was seven miles distance, seven miles from frustration and confusion, from grief, from despair. They wanted to get out of town. To get away from it all in order to try to forget. To sort out their feelings and somehow find a way to start over again. With their chins dragging and their hope not even palpable. They headed west, talking together as if saying it again would somehow make it all go away. Retelling the story to one another to ease their pain, to to share the burden of what had happened. We know where Emmaus is, don't we? We've been there in one way or another at some time in our lives. 
Emmaus is whatever we do or wherever we go to salvage and sort out all of our feelings. To summon the courage and the desire to keep going or to try and forget. Emmaus is whatever we do or wherever we go to reclaim our sanity. When our world goes to pieces, when our ideals and dreams are violated and distorted, when we discover the world holds nothing sacred, when love and goodness are rejected and profaned by selfish people with hateful intent, it may happen at the betrayal of one we respect very much or as the one we love the most and with whom we have shared so much leaves us. The death of a spouse or a parent may take us to that Emmaus. It may occur when we're terminated by a long-term employer without any explanation or as an illness confines us and there is no respite from pain or when an illness strikes our children and they hover between life and death. And there is nothing we can do but to hold them and just be there for them. That walk to Emmaus may come with growing older, which forces us to pull up the roots of a lifetime, leave our home, accept our limitations because of our decreasing vitality. We may head for Emmaus when our involvement in the struggle to right a wrong winds up in an utter defeat. And the cause to which we've given a lifetime is undermined by greed and deceit. It may happen when our business fails and those whom we considered our friends suddenly shun us, treat us as forgotten failures, or it may come at personal moral crisis when we wake up to how miserable we've made our own life and the lives of those who love us and we must decide whether we want to change, to let go of the old and turn to God. Receiving God's power, pick up and start a new life. We have to make that choice. And it's at those turning points and traumas of life, like these disciples on this road, that we too head for some Emmaus, some place, to get away from it all, to wait it out or seek to discover how to live through it. You know what I am talking about, don't you? You've been there. Emmaus is every person's town. Then there's a sacred truth to be gained, a second truth to be gained from this story that we need to put very deeply into our minds and ponder it. In our walk to Emmaus, in the midst of or in aftermath of defeat or despair, of suffering or pain, confusion and doubt, there is always the friend who joins us. That's what happened to Cleopas and his walking companion. They were walking along in dejection, defeat, frustration, when all of a sudden, they were aware of a third person walking with them. Now, this is an interesting encounter, and we need to take something away from this. This encounter with the stranger, first of all, they didn't even know who he was. Now, what's important about that, you may ask? Well, it's all important, because often Jesus comes to us incognito. 
We're not even sure Jesus is with us. Mother Teresa once said, he comes most often through those who are suffering. The poorest of the poor, those disenfranchised by the world. She tells the story of walking past an open drain and catching a glimpse of something moving in it. She took a look and found a dying man whom she took back to a home where he could die in love and peace. It took Mother Teresa and her sister two hours to get the lice off of the man and give him the bath he had not had in who knows how long. He told Mother Teresa, I live like an animal in the streets, and now I will die like an angel. Mother Teresa shouted, how wonderful to see a person die in love with the joy of love, the perfect peace of Christ on his face. And then she said, the dying man in the gutter is Jesus in distressing disguise. Friends, that's the way Jesus often comes to us, incognito. He joins us on the way, and many times we don't even recognize him. But not alone in such a dramatic commitment and ministry, Jesus comes through a friend who will sit and listen. He comes through a husband or a wife who keeps on loving us when we are selfish and uncaring, calloused, even mean. He comes through a person who loves us enough to be honest with us, to help us face up to ourselves and to see ourselves as we are. Jesus comes through a friend who won't let us off the hook, but keeps our feet to the fire in calling us to live out our faith commitment. Jesus often comes incognito. The other thing to note is that this stranger on the road helped them to make sense of what had happened. The whole situation seemed to these two men to have no explanation whatsoever. Their hopes and dreams were gone. There was all the pointed, sad, puzzled regret in the world in their grieving words. We were hoping he was the one who was going to rescue Israel. Those are the words of people whose hopes are dead and already buried. And then Jesus came alongside them incognito and talked to them. And the meaning of life became clear to them. That darkness was gone. Light had come. A storyteller makes one of his characters say to the one with whom he has fallen in love, I never knew what life meant until I saw it in your eyes. It's only in Jesus, even in mystifying times, much like what we're in right now, that people of faith learn what life means. One pastor tells the story of a friend for whom Jesus had made sense out of life for him. That friend's life, almost endless story of suffering. Through his life, he had very little relief. For the last 20 years of that life, no relief whatsoever from suffering. It was almost as though in this pastor's friend's life that the drama of suffering continued to increase and increase and increase, building more and more into the next scene, almost as if this scene was worse than the last one. That was until 
She came face to face with cancer. But listen to this poem. Listen to this poem that she wrote near the end of her life. I've known a whole lot of gravy in my life, notwithstanding some turmoil and strife. When all is said and done, in the long, long run, I've known a lot of gravy in my life. I've known a whole lot of chocolate sauce and nuts, notwithstanding ifs, ands, and buts. When all is said and done, in the long, long run, I've known a lot of chocolate sauce and nuts. I've known a whole lot of icing on the cake, notwithstanding one or two heartbreaks. When all is said and done in the long, long run, I've known a whole lot of icing on the cake. I've known a lot of rainbows in my skies, notwithstanding one or two good cries. When all is said and done in the long, long run, I've known a lot of rainbows in my life. Now that came from a woman whose life story was almost like that of Job dying of cancer when she wrote that. It can be that way with us. Not that we will not be on the road of debilitating confusion or unexplained suffering. Not that we will not know these hard times and wonder where God is in it all. But that Jesus will help us make sense of things. Put things in perspective. The last thing I want you to note about this stranger that walked along with Cleopas and his companion we find in verse 28 and 29. So they drew near the village to which they were going. Jesus appeared to be going further, but they pressured him saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. Jesus did not force himself upon them, nor does Jesus force himself upon us. He awaited their invitation to come along. I want to point out a gift, a great gift that we have been given. It's not only the great gift, it's also one of the most dangerous gifts that God has given us. And that's the gift of free will. There's a story of a man who owned a parrot for five years that refused to talk. He tried everything. He read books. He brought recordings of speeches and played them in hopes the bird could repeat some of the words. But nothing helped. He was disgusted. He took the caged bird and started back to the pet store. As he crossed the street, a car was coming right at him, and the bird yelled, look out. But the guy got hit by the car, and the bird said to a passerby, how do you like that? For five years, he wants me to talk, and when I finally said something, he didn't even listen. I wonder if in the years that followed this story, whether Cleopas and his companion ever reflected upon what might have happened had they not invited Jesus to walk along and then come in for supper with them. I've thought about that. Where would I be had I not invited Jesus to be a guide in my life and to lead me? When I felt that heavy pull to be a preacher of the gospel and couldn't understand how I could ever fulfill that calling, I wonder, what about you? Have you ever heard the gentle but persistent knock and refused to open the door? Has Christ called you in some specific way to preach, to teach, to make masks, 
to help out at a local food bank, to stand in front of a nursing home or hospital or firehouse or police station with a sign thanking them for what they're doing during this time? Have you felt a strange and unexpected pull in your life? Drawing you to spend your life in a specific Christ-centered work and service. Have you talked to anybody about that? You see, the choice is ours. Jesus won't force himself upon us. We have to invite him in. We are often on the road again for Emmaus is every person's town. We head there or we seek such a place to get away when life deals harshly with us. But when we are on the road again, there is a friend who joins us. Jesus may be incognito, but he comes and it's up to us to recognize him. He comes to help us make sense of what's important. Remember this though. Whether he stays with us is up to us. He doesn't force himself upon us. We have to invite him. Listen to the words of this old hymn. The last mile of the way. If I walk in the pathway of duty, if I work till the close of day, I shall see the great king in his beauty when I've gone the last mile on my way. And so it is with us. We may think we've never get to Emmaus, and even when we get there, if we do, we still may be doubtful, weary, frustrated, maybe directionless. We may think that we're going to be on this road forever. And there is a sense in which we will be. But along the way, and certainly at the end of our way, the stranger who is our friend will meet us. Have you invited Jesus to walk with you? Have you invited him to come along? Has there been somebody that's walked with you and you think, where did they come from? Have they helped you explain things to let you know what's really important? That stranger is Jesus. Like with Cleopas and his companion, he comes incognito. He walks with us wherever we're going. Will you invite him in? Will you sit and break bread with him so that you may see Christ um, with you along the way? Amen. As we come together to our time of prayer, I'll be having petitions in the prayer, and I'll say, God of the resurrection.